I'm scared of financial destitution. How do you manifest as that when you're like an ancient fear demon? I think right now the current presidency is doing a pretty good job of terrorizing all the adults. Oh my God, I'm scared. They had to sex their way out of the sewer. <laughs> the stuff with the cosmic turtle stuck with me way more than the child orgy because I think I just like breezed past the child. Like, Okay, sure, yep, they're on sex with the girl now, whatever. Whoa, that turtle is fighting that spider! It seems like everybody's rolling on Molly and having PDAs the whole time. This movie features that fucking spider puppet, and I'm like... No matter how hokey it is, I always love a practical effect. Like, there's a scene where you definitely see her boobs. And, uh, we saw them in ninth grade, and uh, our teacher frantically realized that she had forgotten to fast forward through that. You're scaring me! What happened to my beautiful baby boy? I don't remember. Maybe if maybe if we had some sort of shared sexual encounter to revive our memory. Oh, what the fuck are we doing? What does his wife think? And this wasn't like a hello kiss or anything. This was like, let's make out a little. Nerds are never perfectly handsome baby boys. If you're suicidal, let's put you on dangerous missions. Because <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? Try not to die. Get out of here. <laughs> We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that sucked and shows that blowed. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe, secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. It is ABC, featuring the VIPs of SBTV, Austin G and Dr. DB with our AT&C Seven years ago, on a night just like this, that four baby podcasters watched a really spooky miniseries. And during one of the commercial breaks, we vowed to come back and confront this miniseries in a podcast, which hadn't been invented yet. But somehow we all just knew to do that, looked in the mirror, and made it here today. Except, oh no guys, where's Ryan? I'm sure he'll show up. Oh, shoot, I just got a text that Ryan committed suicide on the toilet instead of review this movie. Not the bathtub? No, yeah, no, this was, the, you can see right here, it's a toilet. It's a gif of him on the toilet, dead. It was definitely autoerotic asphyxiation <laughs> while pooping. He was like, I, I can't do it. I can't do another podcast. If I'm going to off myself, I'm going to enjoy it while it's happening. I'll whack it one last time and then go. Yeah, look, there's the belt, and there's and there's his hand, and 
Also, his mouth is full of cheeseburgers, too. I think. <laughs> little he gag. died doing what he loved. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> and then written in blood and poop and I think a couple other fluids. Yeah, oh, by the way, it was a fluid oath that we all took together. And Ryan is engaging in it one last time, and he wrote it on the wall. And then also an S and an H. Uh. <laughs> So, if you can't tell from that dead-on <laughs> intro, tonight we are reviewing Stephen King's It, the miniseries from the 1990s, Part 2. And I am your host this evening, Carolyn Main, of what is a very special episode, Spooky Clown Edition. <laughs> and with me through the internet, somebody who got a crab's eyeball in his fortune cookie is... <laughs> Beep, beep, Austin Gordon. <laughs> I thought David was probably going to be the one to get beeped. Yeah, he was beep beeping me. He didn't want me oh. to interrupt his introduction. <laughs> and then hanging out in the moon trying to get people to do his bidding, we have... As always, David Bitsenhofer. Like... <laughs> Watch out for that. Watch out for the moon. Watch out for David. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this, uh, you know, it came up because they did just make a remake. I watched it. I didn't like it that much. Let's just go around real fast, say thumbs up or thumbs down. I have not seen it yet. No thumbs for Austin. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel it's it's hard. Well, okay. Here's my sad, here's my sad sob story, first world problems. Mm. Being the, the parent of a toddler, you don't get to see as many movies in the theaters as one might like. You mean you don't and bring your toddler to Stephen King movies? I did, yeah. I thought like, I, I thought I better not bring my toddler to a Stephen King movie. And, some, and then most of the movies that we do see, it's my wife and I going to see a movie, and she has zero interest in seeing it <laughs> because she is scared to death of this miniseries <laughs> and yes. has no desire to recreate that oh. experience on the big screen, and I just... I have not found the time yet to go. It's almost harder for me to find the time like by myself to go see a movie than it would be if my wife and I were just wanting to go see it. We should get your wife on the podcast because it would be really cute if we could get somebody to have some actual fear reactions to this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, she the, the, the TV movie freaked her the hell out when she was a kid. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. Uh, me too, a little bit, but, you know, only some. But, yeah, that's great. Uh it was very interesting when it came out in the 90s because we were, you know, let's count. Uh, Austin, do you have an orphan to tell us what year this came out in exactly? Well, it came out in 1990, which mm. I was impressed because you said 27 years ago, which is the number from it. That's right. Know, how often, but that it, this came out 27 years ago. Right? Yeah, I heard that on the internet so <laughs> without were, doing the math. So you were, you were right on there. But yeah, 1990 was when this aired. So we were all what? Like, I was... Mm, yeah, I was uh, nine, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. How old are you now, David? Uh, how old am I? Yeah. I forget. Nin I think I'm 36, right? Or am I I'm going to cheat off your number. Because then I think I would be I'm six. I'm 36, yeah. You're, you're 30 six. You'll soon yeah. be 37. Don't remind me. <laughs> I think how Austin keeps track. Austin, could you keep track of my age too? I'd rather. It's a, well, see, it's important because David is is older than me, so he hits his numbers ahead of of me. So he's like a grim, he's like a grim vision of my future. <laughs> so you like to nudge him into the grave, so he goes oh, before you. There, but for five months, go I. 
No, I remember when yeah. I, I remember when this came out because it was a big deal. It was a super big deal. And I and I was I I don't know if I watched the whole thing. I remember like it came out and there was a sleepover with a friend, so we kind of watched some of it. And I think later he claimed that one night his TV turned on and it was just Pennywise on the TV and he couldn't turn it off and like he'd unplug the TV and Pennywise was still there and he swore that happened but I'm not sure I trust (laughs) did he swear a lot of things I'm like are you sure it wasn't a dream because that kind of sounds like something that happened in a dream and then Pennywise got into his Nintendo and corrupted all the Donkey Kong exactly but uh, I remember I was excited about it just because Harry Anderson was on it, and I was a big Night Court fan. <laughs> David, you don't talk about Night Court half as much as I do. I know, but I watched a lot of Night Court back then. Thank you. <laughs> it was in syndication, and the idea that he would be in a dramatic like horror movie yeah. was just blo- blew my mind. And I just let's talk like, about I the gotta cast see because that. I find it pretty goddamn star-studded. We do have Doctor Night Court, Harry Anderson yeah. slash Dave. Barry himself. <laughs> First billing on our podcast. <laughs> I love that they change his character in the book. The, the adult Richie is oh, a, yeah. a radio DJ. But they're like, well, we got we have Harry Anderson playing this part, so he's going to be a stand-up comic so that he can do, like, comic shtick during this. And, like, a, like a night show host. So is he not funny he's in the book? funny. He's funny, and he does voices throughout the book and so it's it becomes kind of like a he's a radio dj who does like goofy voices as yeah, part of his thing i guess yeah so i guess we should go over that uh i believe both of you have read yes. the book correct and yes and i have not cool so yeah we've all seen this as a kid a little bit yeah i, do, I feel like i didn't see the second one as much that one was less familiar to me I definitely, like, paid attention to TV Guide or whatever and watched the whole damn thing, both oh, parts yeah. of it. Very impressive <laughs> for a six-year-old me, or however old I was. I was definitely <laughs> too young to watch it, but nobody stopped me, like, all of my TV youth. Austin, did you watch it as a kid? Um, I watched it in middle school, so oh. I I didn't, I'm, I'm fairly positive I didn't see it when it first aired. I watched it after I read the book for the first time. And I know I read the book in like seventh or eighth grade, and then I sought out the TV movie that I knew existed and watched on it after VHS. I read the book. Yeah, oh totally. Yeah, rented it from the video store, watched it on VHS, that kind of double movie. rental. Exactly, perfect. Yeah. So. And I love. I mean, the book yeah. is one of my favorite books of all time. It's one of the books that, you know roundabout sort of way led me to want to be a writer yeah Um, i have i still have vivid memories of like reading the the end of the book in the backseat of my parents car while we were on some sort of asinine road trip (laughs) and like it was summer and i can still remember like the images outside the car of the road that we were on as i was reading it and there was all this stuff going on about this like ancient alien spider demon spoiler fi- fighting with a <laughs> yeah. cosmic turtle who barfed spoiler. up the universe and no, yeah, yeah. and and was engaged in this like cosmic battle between the forces of good and evil and it was just this total like 
transcendental mind fuck and it was sort of the first time that I was really like overwhelmed by just the power of writing and being sucked into a story and all of that. Yeah. I didn't know there was cosmic turtles. Oh, oh yeah. really? Yeah, do you you probably every it's infamous now on the internet will tell the juicy bits. I'm sure David, even oh, without yeah. reading the book, you're familiar with when the kids were stuck in the sewer in the book they had a child orgy. <laughs> and they had to a sex their, yeah, they had to sex their way out of the sewer. Yeah. <laughs> a sense of direction from sex. We're not going over the first half, but I was yeah. really confused how they were in the sewers. They walked in. And then they managed to get yeah. out, and I was really confused how they could do that without a sex orgy occurring. So <laughs> it felt very unrealistic in this first half that they could just get out of the sewers on their you own know, without sex being right? involved, underage sex specifically. Puberty is a really special time, and your first time <laughs> is a really special time. And what better way to share it than with, like, six dudes in a sewer full of toilet <laughs> this, stuff? Well, like, like, what's really funny is, like, that that's become sort of the... One of the more infamous bits of this novel, as well that, it should be. As well it should when be. No, I read totally. it as a baby child, or like you, Austin. I think it was around ten, eleven, nine, eight, something. And it's like you read that scene, and you're like, going, well, no, if I t- ask my parents about this, they'll take the book from me. Right. I'm just what? gonna soldier through these next three pages, and then be like, goddamn. What? So that's where it's like the stuff with the cosmic turtle stuck yeah. with me way more than the child orgy because I think I just like <laughs> breezed past the child, like. I I was young. I was old enough to like know what sex was and get what was going on, but still young enough to not really get sex and know what was going on. It's like unlike just now, sort of like sure, whatever they're having sex. I didn't really think through the like full implications of what that <laughs> meant and what Stephen King was doing in that scene and how yeah. like oddballs that was. Like okay, sure, yep, they're on sex with the girl now. Whatever. Whoa, that turtle is fighting like... that spider. <laughs> <laughs> You're like someday when I when I get older and I'm hanging out with my guy friends, some woman's gonna sex all of us. Right, up that's just the randomly, way that it does. And, you know. And that's the way that's, that's, that's like, just how. It's not like I go to my parents and like ask for additional context on this right. gangbang that happened in the sewers <laughs> of this book. So let's just move past it and get on with it. <laughs> let's just move on. Beyond that, even watching this miniseries, <laughs> I Bev didn't come across as a strong female character. For, sure. There, there felt like a lot of sexism involved, like some not overt, yeah, I... passive. She's carrying a lot of the uh, emotional luggage for the guys, yeah. and that seems to be her main purpose. And it's It has been a long time since I read the book, and I, so I don't want to say that she's a strong female character in the book, but yeah. she's de- she definitely comes across better in the book than she does in uh, miniseries. And isn't that the way with almost every Stephen King adaptation? I mean, and let's not <laughs> kid ourselves, he always flubs it at the end. Yes. Which is why even though this is very, I would think we'd all pretty easily say the worst half of the miniseries, we're gonna go into Endgame because... <laughs> <laughs> What's scarier than having to write the ending to a book you don't know yet and just jamming it together? <laughs> Well, I'm like, what's what's interesting about the ending is I think the I think the book ending is probably one of Stephen King's better endings. Yeah. Um, simply because in the book, the the two threads, the childhood timeline and the adult timeline, are more intercut. Right. So, like in the in the miniseries, it's 
there's a little bit of that going on in the second in, in each part, but for the most part, it's like part one is the kids and part two is the adults, and that's how they're doing the new movies where the one that just came out is the kids. Right. Now now they're going to do one where maybe Jessica Chastain is the adult Bev, and that's going to be the adult one. But in the book, it all kind of like goes cuts back and forth, and so you get like two climaxes at the end of the book, and they sort of like bounce off of each other, and what happens, he references things in the adult timeline that you haven't gotten the full ramifications of yet. And so it works a lot better as a climax in the book than it does in the the movie. Not even including the sewer climaxes. Right, right. And yeah, uh, (laughs) that narrative structure I find very effective because they're able to contrast things. Uh, Just about the new It, I think it suffered from not having that. Yeah, I'm a huge sucker for the like parallel narratives running into timelines structure right it's freaking great Uh, so let's get ready to dive in but first let's go back to talking about the stars this is star studded for 1990 omg uh first of all yeah they they actually did a really good job of like getting a relatively big name actor for each of the seven as adults like i was pretty impressed going through it right right so let's rank in terms of performance, right? Number one, obviously, it's Tim Curry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he genuinely scared your wife forever, Austin. Right, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, this is this is Tim Curry's big, uh, this is his movie, really. Uh, I don't know when to bring this up, but it <laughs> actually happened early in the second episode when I was watching this, that it occurred to me. And I'm and I'm thinking back to the first episode, and I'm like, did do we think that any of the scenes with Tim Curry were actually filmed with the other actors there? Mm, there's that one in the first episode where he like grabs the kid from the sacred circle. I'm pretty sure he has to touch that boy. Yeah, according to maybe according to the crack research team, at the very least, the scene at the beginning of the first episode when when Bill's brother Georgie is attacked, mm-hmm. that scene they filmed together because the actor that played Georgie was freaking the hell out by up and he was like, Tim, you're scaring me. And Tim's like, sorry, kid, I'm supposed to scare you. <laughs> Good. It's just, I feel like a lot of it was just like, first you see like whoever, you know, Pennywise is terrorizing, you just see the reaction and then it's the shot of Pennywise, and it, like, flips back and forth, and you rarely actually see them directly interacting with each other. Yeah, it is. You wonder how much they were able to just cut together from, like, let's film an hour of of Tim Curry jumping out of bushes looking scary, and then intercutting that with an hour of the actors being like, oh, my God, I'm scared. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The director's cut just two hours of bush scares. (laughs) Like, let's just put his face on the moon so he doesn't have... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, another thing I'll say about the new It <laughs> is that they had a lot of CGI to get those scares. And no matter yeah. how hokey it is, I always love a practical effect. I feel like I'm definitely becoming old-fashioned <laughs> now in my 30s. Yeah. But, oh, well. This... Yeah. This... Yeah. <laughs> David, yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to say what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the effects were a bit lacking in this. <laughs> like, like oh, you're not. You go to straight stop motion and like a weird yeah, like, Harry Housen thing. It's like, oh, what the fuck are we doing? In general, Carol, I don't disagree yes. with you. 
But then I see mm. that like the climax of this movie features that fucking spider puppet, and I'm like, oh, man. I don't know. I feel like CGI would be better than this. Like not at the time, obviously, because CGI was even mm-hmm. more primitive. And I'm just kind of like, this would be a thing where you maybe you replace this with some form of CGI. No, yeah, and some of it was fine, but then it was like in the first episode where like uh, Pennywise opens up that drain in the shower, and that didn't. You didn't really, like uh, that stop motion like... tile hole just going. <laughs> Yeah. I love when things are clay, just irrationally, so that worked for me. I can't say it was good, but I found the new reliance on CGI just looked like a, a Nine Inch Nails video with, you know, two more disco frames. So yeah, Tim, Cur- Tim Curry's the, the winner of the of the cast. Number one, then who's your yeah, number I two? I, I have to go, as far as like performance, mm-hmm. I have to go with the brand. That's it! Good job! Yeah. You win, David! Brandis yeah, I know. I would, I would totally go with Brandis. At, oh, at we all agree. Like they have some good adult actors, but I feel like mm. Brandis like was mm-hmm. just a level above everybody. Yeah, was he was supposed- a better build than adult Bill. Oh, and yeah. what happened to baby boy, beautiful baby boy Brandis? And then adult Bill gets the big weird mole on his face. Did yeah, that I know. piss anybody <laughs> else off the whole time? You're like, where'd that come from? What happened to my beautiful baby boy? I, I just attribute to part of it to just Brandis probably cared more than <laughs> the adult actors who were just like. And he had that like that that thing. And he was a good actor. Yeah. Like, don't guileless don't commitment. Go on, yeah, yeah, good actor. Yeah. He screamed in a good way. He had mm-hmm. passion and intensity in those mm-hmm. wet eyes because he had a dead brother. It was great. Yeah, one uh, of my big. <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons I think the the first part does better than the second part is because so much of the second part falls on adult Bill shoulders and Richard Thomas is just kind of a dud in that role. Yeah, that's one of the guys who, so Mr. Moleface, Richard Thomas, I don't think I know him. Do our own sewer orphans have any updates on him? He, he is most well known as John Boy Walden from the Waldens. Uh, um, would we like him better if he didn't have that douchey I would 100% oh, no. like him better if he did not have <laughs> Literally, the first note I took when watching this was adult Bill and his stupid ponytail still bug the shit out of me. Does it bug you more than his mole? Yes. I didn't even notice his mole until you pointed it out. And now I realize that's very odd that adult Bill would have a mole that young Bill didn't. He should get it checked out. Oh, I noticed the mole, but I... He lost his stutter and gained a mole and a ponytail. Yeah, David? I feel like you'd run into him at a dojo, and he'd call it karate. <laughs> That's all I could see. It's just him and some gi, and <laughs> thinking he's a black belt. Refer- yes, and always referring to it as karate. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's the next biggest star from the adults? It's John Ritter. Oh, yeah. I didn't remember how much yeah, of America's yeah. fucking darling he was until he showed up here. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And John Ritter's probably my favorite of the adult cast. Yeah, the adult cast is not so spectacular. No, but they but they are all like established. Like they managed to get yeah. get actors who had all been notable things prior to this. Well, my bias aside, I think Harry Anderson did a pretty good job. Yeah, no, with he, his did. Part. he did. Pretty good. Did you know he's a magician? I yeah. Well, I've watched Night <laughs> <laughs> That was the test for Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I've seen very little Night Court, so you, you guys suck, Austin. <laughs> I know. I know. 
Yeah, this this came uh, out the well, same like... year that uh, that John Ritter was in the first Problem Child movie. So, oh, was, oh yeah, he he had himself in 1990. Oh, that was also the same year <laughs> as the uh, he did the TV movie where he played Al Frank Baum, the guy that wrote uh, Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I didn't even see that one. Yeah, there was a. That's how Annette O'Toole got in. Was from in, doing the TV movie. John John Ritter recommended her because I think she was in that TV movie as well. Yeah, that could be. She's probably number three for me then. I, she I mean, I bad. like her yeah, in general, but she, I don't think she did that great a job. Yeah. No, I just like I just have a soft spot for Annette O'Toole. <laughs> yeah, I get that. You know who else did a great job and is also a star? Seth Green. Oh, yeah. That's so weird. He just seems so un-Seth Green-like. Yeah, he really... Right? Or is it just me? No, he does. Well, he wasn't... He's very low-key relative to, like, what we know of Seth Green. Yeah. Right. Even his voice is different. He didn't, like, grow into, like, the the nerd douchiness. He was just a young boy. (laughs) It was really odd. He had so much potential. I kind of liked the Ben, the young Ben. Yeah, he really worked. Young Ben was good. Uh, He was on the Wonder Years for a while. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had the problem where he reminded me of somebody, so I looked him up on IMDb, and he obviously wasn't the person he reminded me of. So now I'm just annoyed that I don't know who he reminds me of. It could be Jerry O'Connell. You could be thinking Stand By Me. Uh, Yeah. Because he reminds me of that, and that's another Stephen King coming of age. Right, right. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Netto Tool was uh, Lana Lang in Superman 3. Oh. And Ma Kent in Smallville. Oh, shit. Amongst, uh, amongst many superheroes. other Yeah, so that's why I've always had a soft spot. Those are the, but for me, it's uh, Seth Green, Jonathan Brandis, and uh, Brandon Crane is the name of the guy that played Young Ben. Those are the three yeah, like man. standout kid actors. I think the rest of sure. the rest of the kids, I don't think have done a whole lot of like notable mm. things. Young Eddie mm. had like the seriousness on his face the whole time. I thought it was really good, but yeah, I, I don't think he did too much else. Yeah, old Eddie was played by Dennis Christopher, who I think is probably best known as the one of the leads in Chariots of Fire. Which one? Okay. Best picture. I know the song, but yeah, I which haven't watched it. One best picture in one. I think he was because it's about track runners or something like that. I believe he was right. the white track runner in that. I think that movie was based off the NES running pad. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> this is the movie version of track and field. Yeah. Who else should we note? Let's see. We had uh, the guy, the guy who played adult Mike, Tim Reed. Yeah. Was on WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. That was his. Well, he was uh, Sister Sister, too, right? Yes, and he was on Sister Sister. Oh, he was their dad. Yep. Yeah. So we're getting lots of sitcoms that foreshadowing or not, we may get to as a series. But it's fun to have to beat John Ritter's Three Company with a dramatic role about an evil clown turtle. And then uh, adult adult Stan, who appeared briefly Uh before... Autoerotic asphyxiating himself uh, <laughs> is played by Richard Mass Richard Mazur Masser, uh, who was the dad in My Girl, amongst a lot of other things. Oh yeah! But that's not as important as what he was watching before. <laughs> which, he which was which was Perfect Strangers, <laughs> <laughs> the chandelier episode. <laughs> was it no. the chandelier? 
Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? It would seem like I had a perfect plan this whole time. Nope. I'm just making it up as I go along, like a certain bespeckled writer who directed Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> oh, that's a movie we should review. I know, right? The, uh, oh. the only other actor of note, and I'll ask David this question, did you recognize the actress who played yeah. Audra? No, Audra. I didn't. The, that was Who's the wife Audra? of the mole ponytail. Oh. Yeah. Where Stephen King gave himself like a uh-huh. hot actress mm-hmm. wife. Um, you uh, let me see if this helps. No, you somewhat uh, famously saw her breasts in ninth grade before Mrs. Ryan frantically turned the video off. Wow, <laughs> she was Juliet. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh shit! From the Romeo and Juliet. Now I know what you're talking. Yeah, she drops her boobs well, that in that. Yeah, that that's a whole weird story because <laughs> Olivia, the... Olivia Hussey is her name. She is a well, Hussey. Well, the... Now that we're just getting all sidetracked, because the story behind <laughs> Romeo and Juliet was like... a puberty episode, so let's dive in, David. Yeah, they were filming it, and then she got, like, mono or something? Like, she got ill, and so they had to, like, suspend filming for, like, nine months. And then she came back, and she had blossomed by then. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, ha- like the f- beginning of the movie, she's pretty much, like, flat-chested, and then suddenly she just has, like, some knockers yeah, on Yeah, I remember and, her boobs seem huge in that, and some of it is like the costuming, because you know, it's that whole corset, yeah. titty out cup thing. But then they like, they show them. Like, there's a scene where you definitely see her boobs, and uh, we saw them in ninth grade, and uh, our teacher frantically realized that she had forgotten to fast forward through that. <laughs> and then I was, but I'm thinking about it, I was like, <laughs> did they decide to do that after she matured? And they're like, well, now we gotta see those things, or... Did they want to do that scene anyways, even though she, like, hadn't gone through puberty yet, which would have you been weird? You never know with Hollywood. I mean, yeah, there are those right. Brooke Shields photos. Yeah. So, that's the game she has played. Depends on whose mom you can get to sign the waiver. <laughs> right? I suppose. dun 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 She was poor. She was poor town. Yeah. Beep, beep, Richie. <laughs> Reliving your childhood down there. Something like that, just... Saying hi to some old ghosts, you know. Roll to all. On the next spec script. Oh no, we gotta get the thing. Also, what is spec script? Oh, oh god, I, I have to write an episode of a TV show that I've, I've never seen an episode of? Oh no, and we ha- we cast it with a bunch of great local Portland comedians and performers? And then we perform it live and record it and release it for you as a podcast called Spec Script? And it's a lot less irritating than this? No, it really is! Check it out <laughs> on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. And see it live at Kelly's Olympian, second Sunday, 7 o'clock. Pacific time. Spec Script. Doodoosh. All right, well, let's dive in. We're not going to go beat by beat so much, so go ahead and back up or drive ahead. Let's see. 
But the very, very first thing we see is Tim Curry with some empty graves. And if you watched the last episode, the better one with more Brandis. Yeah, okay, let's let's, let's stop right there, Carolyn. Sure, <laughs> so sure. what was your rationale behind doing the second <laughs> half and not the first half? Because, like, I mean, even when you initially proposed it, I was just like, sure, that's fine. But, I mean, the first half has all the Brandis in it, and I feel like that's what Carolyn would want to talk about. <laughs> It does. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did the walk, you know. I watched both of them. We we kind of thought about reading the whole book, but no one really got there. <laughs> but we did rewatch the whole old miniseries. And, you know, I just... While the Brandis stuff is like good television, this ending is, uh, again, it's like a showgirls. Notoriously kind of terrible, but kind of good. Yeah. So I wanted to just... Definitely see the spider, definitely see the resolution, and then, you know, as as a writer, as people who think about writing, endings are really hard. And when you see Stephen King, this one of the most successful writers ever, we all know his name, we all kind of like him and we all kind of hate him or whatever, but when you see him struggle to finish a book, that's kind of like, you know, you see the, the wizard behind the curtain, it's just a little guy with a projector, and it's kind of great to pull apart the threads of why it maybe was or wasn't successful yeah you yeah, know that's 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 fair i was just curious what the logic was right? yeah yeah but i mean definitely i'm glad we watched the first one <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to keep referencing that yeah. throughout so we open uh, on pennywise and he's got empty graves and he's beckoning us to yeah. join them i'm getting a little i feel like especially i think it was in this scene Pennywise had a bit of a Freddy Krueger vibe going to him, especially right. later Nightmare on Elm Streets, where it's a lot of uh, jokes and such. <laughs> Prop work. <laughs> Riffing, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I just wondered how much it, any influence was there, whether I'm like, because that was considered, like, scary back then. Right, like, yeah. It says we can run, but we I can't guess. hide. What if we can? <laughs> <laughs> but that's literally what he did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's kind of a line with, with old horror that I like now, where it's just like, yeah, is it yeah. scary or is it a cartoon? Is this slapstick? Especially yeah, when Tim guess... Curry is laughing. Like, it's. did you guys ever go eek or did you guys just laugh with him? Uh, uh, I wouldn't say that I laughed with him. I never went eek. <laughs> yeah, you well, never there went were. Eek? Now, keeping, okay. keeping in mind, I didn't have much of a memory for this. Mm-hmm. series there are a few jump scares that would have gotten sure. me a little bit but you know i was never like hiding under my blanket because pennywise <laughs> was on the screen or anything like <laughs> yeah, that. yeah i did pennywise ever turn on your tv david and flip you off yeah <laughs> like i i always have a hard time getting scared in, by movies yeah. like like a jump scare is a jump scare like that's a visceral kind of reaction yeah, like it's a, it's a reflex startled, yeah like yeah. i'm not saying like i've never watched a movie and been like startled by something jumping out of a closet that i wasn't expecting mm-hmm. and i've been like creeped out by movies and things like sure. that but most mo- for me most horror movies are more about like atmosphere than actually like getting scared by them mm-hmm. and it's harder as you get yeah, older we're... to be scared by it, it is because i yeah. was definitely pretty scared by parts of this miniseries as a kid and now as an adult i'm just i'm even chiller about it and i and i think a good scary movie for me it's not even watching the movie it's kind of the effect it has on me mm, after the movie right. where i'm just kind of like weirded out a little or just kind of like things feel a little more creepier around me you know yeah. and and one thing this movie 
lacks, particularly in the second part, is any kind of sense of atmosphere. Like, yeah. and, and some of that is just down on the nature of the story, that the whole idea that it is this evil presence, like, hiding in small-town America, and just, he's like, he's with your, he's amongst your neighbors, and in your school, and in the, mm-hmm. in the park where you play and all that, but at the same time, it's just like, the end result is a lot of broadly lit, generic set pieces where a scary-looking mm-hmm. clown pops out from behind a bush, and it's hard to make that really atmospheric. Right. So we kind of have it. uh, We have all the adults coming back on their fluid oath, which this is one of the versions where they don't actually expel blood or something else. They just kind of vow. So they come back as adults and Stanley has offed himself. So we've got just six of the losers and each one of them gets spooked by a spooky clown in a slightly different spooky way. Yeah. I've got a, I don't know which way where to go. So part of the whole shtick here is that they don't remember right. what happened. Yeah, I think in the in the and, book it's they they remember their vow and they remember they like remember being scared and that's basically like the two things that they that they have going and, going into the town again as adults. Yeah, and they don't even like remember each other is what like they kind of do but they kind of don't yeah. I guess. Yeah. And and I guess and just narratively speaking, I don't know why that choice was made to make them not remember things. Like Yeah, I have an issue with that and I have it written I have it written down towards the end, but yeah. we can talk about it now. Um and I I don't remember I'd have to read the book again to see if it is read as much of a book. problem in the read book. Read the thousand page book right now, right? Austin. <laughs> right, stand by, guys. I'm going to go read it, and then I'll come back. And yeah. Austin has a really um, long beard now. Wow, guys. Wow. <laughs> but I feel, so I'm not sure this technique of them not knowing exactly what to do just because they don't remember things is narratively sound. <laughs> and, and I wrote that at the climax because I feel like it's, it's a cheat either on the part of King or on this screenwriter to be like, if they just come back to the town and are like, all right, it's back. We need to go into the sewer. We need to find some silver. We need to shoot him. In the book, there's this whole like ritual that they go through, which is how they see the the turtle and all that. And they do all that again. They build like a hut and smoke each other out. And the one person who stays has the vision, which like really resonated with me. These kids get into full witch doctor stuff. It's great. And so I feel like the only reason they don't remember more of what happened as adults is to draw out the climax so that it's not just like they show up in town they get their supplies they go into the sewer and they kill it because they remember i would i would say there's a there's ways to oh no they're totally get around that and like i said in the in the book it works a lot better because while the adults are doing their thing we're also reading about like the kids preparing to face Mm -hmm. it so even if we can take a step back and be like, oh, the adults probably should have remembered what they were going to do as kids. We don't know what they did as kids yet, and so it's kind of a mystery for us as well. Right. Whereas in this TV movie, you're just like, guys, just get the slingshot and the silver and go do the thing you did again, but don't let him get away this time. Right, which is pretty much what happens, but we spend some time first. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, but I feel like you could go like, he, they're getting, they come in and they're, they're still going to get terrorized, and it's not... Even if you know what to do, it's still a dangerous thing to do. So they want to make sure they'd be prepared. And they didn't 
they didn't finish him last time, and maybe they don't know if they can, you know? Right. So they got to make sure they're ready to take it all the way, and maybe they don't know if they can. Like, you know the silver could hurt him, but do you know it could kill right. him? Right. I guess I should say him. It, or they get together as adults, and they quickly go into the sewer, mm-hmm. and they try to do what they did before, so it didn't work. So now they have mm-hmm. to come up with a new plan. And while that's happening, we get more crazy yet scary antics or something. What if that was just an elaborate ruse to get laid in the sewer again? (laughs) 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 Guys, gotta come back. The thing. It's back. I don't don't remember. Maybe if if we had some sort of shared what? sexual encounter to revive our memory. And then they like wink at each other where Beth can't see. No, I think it's just like Mike yeah. hasn't been laid and he's the only one who remembers. So he like brings everybody back. He's like, I think I remember what happened in these sewers. And speaking of shared sexual encounters, now's as good a time as ever to just point out like in the adult segment, it seems like everybody's rolling on Molly and having PDAs the whole time. <laughs> yeah, they like Bev shows up and she just wants to like make out with thing all the she guys. She does is there. mouth kisses Big Ben and then she like right next to his mole and then she mouth kisses kind of everyone. Well, Bill, Bill yeah, yeah. And then she mouth kisses I told Bill you. and he I'm like, what does his wife think? And this wasn't like a hello kiss or anything. This was like let's make out a little, it was a mouth even though you're kiss, married. A yeah. Closed mouth, heavy make yeah. out kiss. I have mm-hmm. no idea why adult <laughs> Bev kisses Bill so much more passionately than everybody else in this. <laughs> Because I'm like the whole. Because he's the leader, but yeah. But she like the whole thing is that like her and Ben get together, obviously. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I get that like when they were kids, there was this whole thing where like all like the boys all sort of like had a secret crush on her one way or another, and then she fi- she figured out like that Ben was the one that wrote the poem, and that's why she likes Ben and all that. And I get all that, but it's just like, so I I feel like it should all be equal from her at this point in time because I was just like. Bill and just like plants went on him. Like he's the one out of all of them that's married. Like, come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe Bev is recreating yeah. more destructive relationships. And if he was the one that like she ends up with at the end, I'd be like, oh yeah, because they're the you know they're the couple that's going to get together out of this. But they're not. So I really have no idea why she's kissing. Maybe just like a misdirect. Like you're supposed to really be hoping for John Ritter to to get with her. So then you're like, oh, she's kissing Moleface. Yeah, that wait. Could... Eh. Yeah, and I guess going back to the forgetfulness part, (laughs) the other thing that kind of bothers me is it's like the story of a group of friends getting back together, except they have no memory of that. Yeah. And that, that, that just doesn't land for me. Like, isn't the point of having, like, childhood friends is you made great memories together, and apparently they did not because they don't... And I understand it wasn't their fault that they don't remember, but then it kind of muddles the whole what a fun reunion this would be, and it's just... Yeah, it's weird well, for me, where, I guess. Because the other possible explanation for uh, for the whole forgetfulness thing is that it ties in with sort of the theme of the story about childhood and adulthood and going home again and this, the nostalgia of youth and escaping your past yeah. and building a new life and all mm-hmm. that. But then that theme gets kind of muddied by the fact, like you said, that what's the point of a childhood reunion if you don't remember why why you were friends with the kids you're having a reunion with? And frankly, I could have gotten behind with, like, they remember all each other, and they remember it, but just not well enough. Like, yeah, vaguely. They, 
Yeah, like, they remember each other. It's just, like, their battle with it because of whatever mind crap was going on with it. They just don't have a good recollection of it. And that could have worked, and that would have helped with them not knowing what to do, but still at least knowing each other. I mean, their whole coming together seemed a little weird. Like, it felt like from the first episode they were only friends for, like, two days before battling it and then they forget each other yeah that, that's one of the things the book does much obviously because it has more time yeah it like mm-hmm. and and that's one one of the things that's really great about the book and makes it stand out is that king really sells the hell out of the idea of these kids like coming together and forming a bond and banding right. together and he really captures what it feels like to be one of the losers and finding fellow losers that share your problems and finding comfort in that and right we spend more time with each of the kids alone i think they all get almost picked off by pennywise so then it's like the and the bullies at the same time are like straight up stabbing these children so yeah i would (laughs) have i was going to ding this for having a very cartoonishly violent uh 80s bully but i think (laughs) it's supposed to go with the it like that's part of its manifestation. Yeah, isn't? so yeah. that part kind of, of it, you know, I think it very clearly represents that kind of evil in all men, where if you see something yeah. bad happen, you walk on, and that's why the town, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the town of Derry, let's just say, voted Republican in the last election. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, they, I definitely see well, the evil did, among us. They did have that scene, that flashback, where Bev was basically about to get raped, right? Yeah. Least. Probably. And the and, old and, and the old like guys that. like I'm out of here. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, wait. People seeing a sexual assault and saying nothing that never really happened, you know? <laughs> right. Come on, Stephen King. Try a little realism. People aren't gonna stay quiet. Yeah, exactly. The whole sort of the 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 notion that the quiet, respectable veneer of small town America hides the seedy underbelly is one of King's favorite tropes, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ton it pops up in tons of his books, which is well one of the few books uh, Stephen King books I've read was Salem's Lot. Which yeah, is that, that's huge. Very similar. Yeah, huge. Yeah. That's a central theme in that book, mm-hmm. and which is all well and good, and that's that's fine, and um, it, it it can get a little bit played out, and it, especially nowadays, it can get a little bit like well, duh. Whereas <laughs> back in the seventies, it was probably more. Revelatory to readers, but all of that aside, what the end result is that I I find myself reading a lot of Stephen King books and then getting filled with rage because he so accurately depicts the small-minded thugs that populate small-town America so well that I'm like, I know there's real people out there like this, and, <laughs> and they won't die from vampires. They'll just continue being small-minded thugs in their little town. Be dicks to people they are gonna get their comeuppance people yeah. it doesn't seem like the earth is gonna support too many more people long term so <laughs> least of all vampires are just around the corner that was one of my biggest Seriously. problems with with under the dome was that <laughs> you've done more king than i have i yeah, that's the the main the main villain was just like a pitch perfect representation of sort of the evil republican caricature and he did not get nearly enough comeuppance in the end for me. Jeez. 
Uh, All right. So let's talk about our favorite yeah. practical well, effects, you guys. Can I just well hold on? Can I just bring it back to one thing about the first episode and children? Yeah, and stuff let's talk about Jonathan Beautiful we Brandon. Yeah. I just don't get what's so exciting about building a dam. That's all I'm going to say. Like, <laughs> that scene didn't land for me. Like, they stopped some water. Good for them. I don't know what they're they They're taming were. nature's raw powers. I don't know. I got nothing. It's kind of yeah. like when I was a kid, I used to like to dig a hole, you know, just by myself in the backyard. It's just, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good work to work in the fields with your hands, David, if you ever worked in Honest Day's life. No, I... I've got very soft hands. They're very smooth. <laughs> uh, I think it's just, yeah, the kids, that was the first thing in the book. It made more sense. Like, you saw all the characters unite and become friends and become strong. And the yeah. dam was like a symbol of coming together and stopping shit. Stop. It's symbolic of the whole, like, you know, dairy is a river and we can stop the flow of evil or whatever. Ooh, there's, yeah. some, sim- there's some symbolism for you. I guess I didn't think about the symbology. You don't have to. It's just an excuse to hang out at the sewer. And fuck. <laughs> yeah, right. Like a kid like Jonathan Brandis would be in the Losers Club. He looks like the popular I kid who would be a bully. <laughs> That's a whole different issue. <laughs> Nerds are never perfectly handsome baby boys. <laughs> I think a lot of uh, young girls would have saw me on the stutter and uh, been just fine hanging out right. with Young Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> See beyond the ponytail and the mole, though. It's a bit more. Yeah, yeah. They, they'd be in for a rude awakening if they stayed around with him for too long, but, you know. Great. What a bunch of handsome old men. I heard that, you skirt. friends my name is dan weber and i run a podcast called reading the bible with dan america's number one most irreverent heretical look at america's most revered book uh if you want to know more about the bible you've never don't want to bother reading it and i don't fucking blame you a bit listen to my podcast we'll go through it line by line and you'll hear all you'll ever fucking need to know about that tragically terrible fucking piece of literature so come on, maybe, you know, we'll talk about shit, we'll talk about the Bible, I'll tell stories, it'll be fucking fantastic, guys. Also, it's vulgar as shit, so if strong language bothers you, go fuck yourself. Anyway, uh, my podcast, Reading the Bible with Dan, learn about the Bible in the only way I can imagine doing it, which is having some foul-mouthed 47-year-old scream shit about it while you do. Uh, let's tune in! See you then. Bye. Okay, now let's talk our favorite effects, the favorite scary moments. 
Uh, three off the top of my head. Did you prefer Ben's mummy dad, his dead dad, <laughs> or or the blood balloons in the library, or or <laughs> when the when the shower scene with young Eddie and puberty became like pipes and elongated <laughs> tubes that were spraying forth in him? Probably that last one. The puberty pipes. The puberty pipes. Can I? Can I go off the board? Yeah, go off the board. Fuck it. Uh, who's the guy who killed himself? Stan. Stan. St- Stan. His head in the fridge. I think I like. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That was great. I was thinking of saying that. Yeah. So it's clear that you know they just like put a fridge prop on his shoulders. Right. Oh, oh yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. But Austin, yeah. we know that's dangerous to use a fridge as even a theater yeah, prop. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah, that head in the fridge. That was pretty great. And and I felt good that the actor got to be in the second episode too. Right. Even though, uh, they found a like, way. I feel like I, I I just have this image of him being like excited to be on this hit <laughs> TV movie, and then finding out he's like, like, wait, I like died. Pretty much. You're the guy who kills himself in one scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great too because he gets to like read everybody for filth. He just disses yeah. all of the characters as a head in the fridge. All right, let so, me ask you this, David. Do you like yeah. Stan's head in the fridge more? Or Pennywise's face projected onto the moon. Ooh, the moon's no, pretty that, that's great. The moon, yeah, I know. That's the most expensive well, that's, effect in the history of 1990. That was when I was like, did Tim Curry film any of these scenes with the other actor? And then his head shows up on the moon, and I'm like, well, that's one other way to just have him not actually be filmed with these other actors. With, uh, what is Harry, or what was the bully's name? Uh, uh... Oh my god, why am I blanking on his freaking name? Henry. Henry. Henry Bowers. Henry Bowers. Yeah. In Juniper Hill Mental Asylum. Yeah, and he... One in the proud pantheon of over-the-top Stephen King bullies. <laughs> and like I said, but at least you can explain yeah, it with the yeah. whole evil presence thing. I guess part of that is, uh, I never got a great handle on the power of powers of it like what what yeah. it can and can't do and i feel like this miniseries does better of explaining that than the newer one like there's more stakes in it so it can kind of do almost anything it wants but uh you know it can also die so it comes out as a clown <laughs> a lot but it's also a werewolf but, or a grandma and it likes to eat fear and it can but can it yeah can it kill you? Yeah. Like, could Pennywise kill you? For some reason, uh, he never, like, tried hard to kill the losers. Well, he got close, yeah. but it, does, it doesn't ever come off in footage like he was going to kill him, right? Well, yeah, because he was filming in a totally different set three, t- three, to- <laughs> yeah. three towns over six weeks after the kids got done filming. Um, I, If I remember correctly, I think in the book, the idea is... Pennywise targets kids because it's easier to represent, to manifest their fears. Because kids' fears are yeah. more literal than adult. Like, I'm scared of I'm scared of the werewolf, so he can appear as a werewolf. I'm scared of financial destitution. How do you manifest yeah. as that when you're like an ancient fear demon? And the well, re- I f- wasting your life is harder to uh right I exactly think right now the current presidency is doing a pretty good job of terrorizing <laughs> all the adults yeah, exactly. and the reason maybe maybe he's i it. think he's probably a spider thing guys and then the reason that he doesn't just like kill people 
outright is he likes to make the kids scared before he eats them, and he likens it to salting the meat, is the line from the book, that basically kids who are scared are more flavorful than than non-scared kids. Yeah, so... But that, none of that changes the fact that once he's like, once these kids are on to him, why aren't you just killing these kids? Mm-hmm. And so, am I, like, let's take the first scene with Georgie and Pennywise in the sewer. Mm, let's go there. Am I to interpret, not to get too far ahead of oh, ourselves, because it, it is a spider demon alien Spoiler. thing or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> am I to interpret that, like, the spider was right there, it's just Georgie saw no, so- it? I'm pretty sure, like, the spider lives in the bottom of the sewer and doesn't come out much. And then he can, like, mm-hmm. manifest like a clown. But I think it's kind of, you know, like a soft puppet. I don't think it. But it's can not do like everything. the spider is physically there. No, yeah. Correct. And okay. technically, even the spider is an outward manifestation. Right. I think the actual form is the deadlights. The, right. Like, okay. the cluster. And inside there. The cluster of lights. Like, that's the that they're fighting and it just takes these different forms as a manifestation and the spider is is one of them and in, and in the book you find out that he is a she and the spider is pregnant and laying eggs and that's why it's in the form of a spider because spiders lay shit tons of eggs and so i forgot that she was laying eggs did they step yeah. on all the eggs i forget what i forget if they blow them up, what they do. did they fuck all the eggs so <laughs> like it out. can just like manifest itself into like a person or whatever, uh-huh. and that person can just kill you, I, right? It I doesn't. So. Sure. Yeah. It does. It's not like non-corporeal, right? Because like, like that. he kills because Georgie's arm. Yeah, got he kills off, Georgie so. by ripping off his arm, and then the kid leaves with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are you All are right. not unreasonably asking for some <laughs> rules to play by that I don't think are ever provided. By, by yeah, right, right. And then the uh, yeah, I guess the only other question is we learned Silver kill like harms it. Is that was it because Silver just harms the Deadlights, or is it because they believe it's because the they Silver? Believe the Silver will, yeah. Will and in the first one, they also hurt him with the the placebo of the yeah. inhaler. The the whole like the whole bit with the placebo is supposed to be it works in reverse, which is that because it's it's basically just selling the idea that belief in something can make that something be true and so they believe the silver will yeah. hurt him so it does he believes that his inhaler is battery acid so it hurts him. Mm-hmm. yeah all right sorry no, about that's that good. it's good we can just walk through the whole thing so then so, mike so yeah. mike so adult mike and adult bill ride a bike together and it's kind of Mm-hmm. That's yeah, one of the many friend town montages <laughs> like, where we just play a smooth song and like two it was kids, pretty cool. two two yeah. kids riding a bike together. It's like, oh, look at those two scamps. And, like two adults doing it. You're like, that seems unseen. <laughs> it was pretty cool when when Mike did the bike over the seesaw. That was a good trick. Yeah. And then a little later, they all get together and have Chinese dinner, and it's the same song, and it's <laughs> two friendship was... montages in an hour and a half is kind of pushing it, right? It was a little odd, because they all... <laughs> There's a few things going on, because they all show up, but then they all had seemingly seemingly had no plan to, like, find each other. <laughs> and But then I guess maybe they made this plan at the Chinese restaurant to meet, 
later, yet they're still looking for each other yeah. or something. And it was legitimately pre-internet. Like, they couldn't... Yeah, I know. Emails. It made me it made me question like how did people do this back in like pre-internet? I literally days? don't remember. In the book, I think they all go to the library and then Mike sends them out on their own as a way to like refresh their memories. <laughs> and hopefully, and hopefully not, not die. die. Try not to die. Get out of here. With the understanding that they'll come back together for dinner and kind of plan their next and give each other shoulder and, massages. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Harry Anderson is all like, I came, now I'm going to leave. And that just seems like a really odd interpretation of the right? oath. Which <laughs> He's was totally like, trying to get by in a technicality. Like, we like, swore like, we would we come back. We swore we'd come back if it came I'm back. back. I came back, now I'm going to leave <laughs> again. And I'm like, that, that doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> yeah. He's got to go back to the late show wars. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of interesting. Like, Seth Green aging into Harry Anderson ends up making sense. Yeah. <laughs> just because they're both the, stars. The only thing they don't yeah. seem to hit is hair color seems to yeah. change drastically from... Yeah. And I know hair color does change, but I don't think you go to red to, like, the dirty blonde that Harry Anderson... Yeah, they should have dyed up Harry, Harry to a Anderson. proper ginge, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah so then they all meet at the restaurant they just get drunk and like like they're like maybe we should talk about this evil malevolent force that is be below our town and they're like no let's just get drunk david, and hang out and have a good david time. wouldn't like, you do the same thing well i i'd like to think that the protagonists i'm watching in the movie are a little better than <laughs> I god help not. us if they're not <laughs> exactly they're not called the losers club for nothing <laughs> and then soon we get the other practical effect I like where they, they all had a good time, they all had a good friend montage, but oh no, the fortune cookies are spooky. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they, they, uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> they should have seen that one coming. Yeah. I don't know what they were well, expecting. Well, yeah, that's, you know? that brings up a point that I wrote down, which is by no means is it the only story of this type that falls into this trap. But because there's like a thousand Batman scarecrow stories that do the same kind of a thing. But it's like once you know you're tangling with an entity that manifests itself as your worst fears, shouldn't you stop being surprised by balloons full of blood bursting? Like, shouldn't you be able to be like, that's not really happening. This is just the fear demon trying to get at me and like move on with like, sure, when they first get there and they don't remember what's happening and hey, there's this creepy clown standing in graves. That's kind of freaky. But like, by the time those fortune cookies are popping open, I would just be like, oh, here's Pennywise again, trying to scare me with this thing that's not really there because I know he's a fear demon trying to scare me. Like, <laughs> That would be great if the characters could get to that point, you know, like we're having to with the presidency where it's like, oh, of course, he's doing it again. And again, like, <laughs> oh, big deal. Oh, I'm even, covered in fake blood. Fuck, whatever. Even in like the kids scene, it's more understandable because like they're still kids. Like even if they rationally know that they're not, it's, it's hard not to be yeah. scared. But as a doll, I'd be like, Oh look, there's a werewolf. I know werewolves aren't real because I know that there's a fear demon that I've come to town to fight. And he's just appearing as a werewolf to try to scare me. So I'm not really scared of werewolves. I don't know. He thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees the ghosts. And sure, like, if, like, you you hold a balloon and it pops and there's blood in it, like, I'd be like, again, like, a jump scare is a jump scare. Yeah, 
you don't begrudge him the right. jump scares when it happens. But it's just like you gotta particularly assess the situation. Particularly because the movie quickly. always does a point of like cutting away to show that what's happening isn't really happening. Like all those people in the library aren't really covered in blood. Richie's just seeing them covered in blood, and so right. I feel like they should have the power to just to know. Well, okay, I'm seeing. He's just making me see this in the same way that I'm watching a movie, but I know it's not really happening. And I love that part when the balloons explode in people's faces because they get, like, just, except for Harry Anderson, everyone's just a regular Joe Schmo extra. Mm-hmm. And they clearly know that this red balloon is going to pop in their face and cover their <laughs> yeah. face in blood. But they <laughs> have to act like they don't know that. I like the lady yeah, who clearly winces, but then just hangs out through it. Before it pops. Right, oh. yeah. It, it kind of does seem like they kind of know, because they're wincing when they're getting hit with the blood, but they're moving on, which begs the question, how real is it to the people who can see it? Bev also gets the blood sink puberty metaphor. It's like, and they'll clean it up in the friendship. But, like, if they, like, wanted to, like, taste that blood, would they, could they contract HIV? Does Pennywise have it? Like, how real <laughs> is this molecularly? So let anybody me ask- would, so- would. Can I ask yeah. a stupid question? No <laughs> stupid questions in the Stephen King book club, David. In the book, because I haven't <laughs> read it, is, is like, obviously it is it. I mean, I, I, but is Pennywise as big a character in the yeah, book? Yeah, not quite. Yeah. They do more shape-shifting, but Penny, and they go further. Like, he has, like, a, another three or four aliases throughout history. Yeah. They like to cycle through them. Yeah. What's the guy who's just, like... That, King likes to have I, villains known by multiple names. But yeah, right. he, Pennywise is sort of like his default form, okay. part- particularly so kind of like what kids. it is in the movie. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is actually a pretty I, good adaptation of Stephen King. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's not a great show. Ultimately, the first half I found among the better Stephen King movies. Oh yeah. The second half is a little yeah. less necessary, but pretty faithful. Well, because I read up on this. Partially just to see if, like, there's any nugget about Tim Curry never being on set with anybody <laughs> else or whatever. But, uh, well, because, uh, I, and then they said something like, oh, it's such a great choice to decide to have, like, Tim Curry be a clown. And it almost sounded like the clown wasn't as prevalent in the book, but they decided that it'd be easier just to have, like, the same version of it for the audience to see, you know, instead of yeah, trying to there's, jump there's around. There's a lot but, more in the book when they're kids where he takes a f- like the personal fear of each of them like i think i think yeah. stan or no one of them is like super freaked out by werewolves so he's the werewolf richie. yeah richie yeah rich right. stan got chased S- by a giant, giant bird, bird like a phoenix because he's, he's a bird watcher uh, so like he and so each of them kind of before they before they sort of come together and realize what's going on they're tormented by pennywise in that individual form and so yeah. there's less clown at that point in time mm-hmm. but i mean clowns are freaky so i don't begrudge yeah them. yeah and then i also saw that this was originally supposed to be like six episodes or like maybe even oh, more Oh man i yeah. wish that being great and they kept cutting back yeah. yeah although yeah it's funny how the adults it seems more soap opera but then when the kids were saying the lines it doesn't yeah, it was also the at the beginning of the first episode when Bev leaves her abusive boyfriend. Yeah. That was a little odd because it's just like, well, that felt like that should be the end of her character arc. Right. And it's like literally the first scene. And I'm just like, 
Yeah, all right. And and like and there's this sense that it makes that, you know, her father was abusive, so you know, the cycle right. continues and that all makes sense, but still it just felt like, well, where does her character go from here now that she just already just like faced off one of the most important worst things of her life the and moved on bad. from it. But... She goes right to mouth kiss a guy. Yeah, with I a know, big and then she just a ponytail. <laughs> carries the emotional luggage of all the other boys for the rest of the Right. Movie. Thank you for noticing, David. Her husband shows up in the second half of the book. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. More, more comes of that in the book that I assume they just cut out for time. I forget. Did he, like, try to kill her and then they killed him? Probably. No, he he ends up coming. He chases her to the town. I mean, like, not like, in hot pursuit. He follows <laughs> her. Point. Yeah, he <laughs> follows her to the town. And he ends up getting, like, falls under Pennywise's sway like Henry Bowers. And he's the one who ends up kidnapping Bill's wife. Oh, yeah. And bringing her to Pennywise, where then Pennywise shows them the deadlights, and Audra <laughs> becomes catatonic, and he just dies. He, like, straight up dies from the, like, extreme shock of seeing the deadlights or something like that. And in this miniseries, Audra is just straight up kidnapped by a gas station attendant. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Who is a clown. No, it was a hotel attendant. Was I think. it? Was it? Yeah, some, some kind person. of attendant is the clown. He has pretty far reaching powers. Yeah. I mean, it kind of made sense. But at the beginning, when they like at the beginning of this episode, when they started flashing back to like Audra, basically, and I'm like, I don't care about the personal lives of these adults <laughs> right now. Let's just get to the good stuff. Like. I don't care how his marriage is going or whether <laughs> some other dude is mad that he left the movie where he's supposed to be writing a script. Like, this bores me. You don't care about his Hollywood career? You just want to see that Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did write down at one point, like, I care so little about Bill's wife. That's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, it's it's supposed to be this thing when he gets her back, but none of us, our heart meter moved, like, one little much. <laughs> right. Guess, guess we're stone cold. Hi, good looking. Oh, oh. Oh. I'd rather catch you than anybody else in the whole world, Beverly Mom. Oh, he's standing there. So much came flooding back, it was like a tidal wave. What are we getting ourselves into? Oh, I'm so proud of you. Good morning! I'm Natalie Holt. I'm Maddie Downs. Good morning. We are the hosts of Sexual Awaken Baking. Sexual Awaken Baking. Here at Sexual Awaken Baking, we sit down with our favorite comedians, artists, and musicians, and we shoot the breeze about the birds and the bees. We believe there shouldn't be any shame talking about sex, so we strive to create an accepting and smoke-filled environment for our guests. It's usually silly, sometimes serious, but always entertaining. We're sex positive. We're drug positive. Well, most of our drug tests come back positive. Yeah. And, and we're positive you'll love our show.
So, so Carol, let me ask you this. How did you feel about the fact that when the adult losers all reunite at the Chinese restaurant and they sort of like one by one come in and, uh, and Bev does her like open mouth kiss with Bill and all that. Yeah. That at one point she is so overcome with emotion that she just faints. Yeah. Like, um... like she's not scared. <laughs> she's not like being attacked by anything. She's just like, oh, we're all together again. This is just so, so, oh, like faints. She gets the like, vapors. Gets the, yeah. Gets, <laughs> I do declare. It just like falls over. And I'm like, of course the girl has to be the one that like faints from sheer emotion. Yeah, that has become so antiquated. Thankfully, I think in the last couple of years, we've realized that women don't tend to expire from emotion necessarily. And so that's one of those moments where I'm like, I'm not necessarily saying that King's portrayal of Bev is rock solid, but I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen in the book. Like, I think <laughs> right. she's 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 pretty you know pretty badass throughout. And no one in the restaurant, like, notices or right. anything that someone has, like, passed it. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. definitely an excuse to, like, force the intimacy really fast. Like, then she wakes up swaining and everybody's touching her. And it's, like, the shoulder yeah, massages yeah. and reclining Molly adult body touch that we do with Bev. <laughs> to substitute the orgy question mark, just for fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's yeah. not the best part. But, but I will say about Bev and the sexism meter, which, yes, I do keep an eye on. Uh, the best part is that... She's the one who can use the slingshot. They yeah. have her be the clitch or the 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 winner, the person who has to do the thing in the last reel. Yeah, so that in... is forward thinking. At least they gave her one thing to do. You'd be surprised how many women don't do one thing. <laughs> right. In right. movies. And like they do a lot of things. Ladies, I see you. So yeah. So yeah, that Go ahead. Yeah, I feel I feel like that was one of those like as a kid that had a big on me like the idea of like yeah bev could be the could be the badass that's good at shooting like right i think that's one of those one of those things that like wormed itself into my consciousness and helped cement this notion of like yeah women are just like the rest of us <laughs> yeah yeah it was, it was inspiring and i mean even if she does faint into everybody's kung fu so yeah uh let's Let's move ahead a little bit, or a lot. So the losers are all, like, waffling back and forth with memory, and if they're actually going to kill a clown in a sewer, which, let's be fair, that's a good question. You want to ask yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a... Is this when they end up at that hotel yeah. where Mike shows up? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a point where I thought that Bev and Ben were just going to do each other right in front of everybody. And like, that wouldn't be there's... out of canon. <laughs> it wouldn't be in canon, but it wouldn't be that like, far There's out just of canon. so much touching and groping and stuff and it's just like uh, i don't know about this also uh, we should note that ben like while seducing a woman in the first episode one of his go-to lines is you know i used to be fat (laughs) i don't know (laughs) how well that would go over in the real world you don't have to tell someone if you used to be fat they'll find the stretch marks hey david there's nothing sexier than a man with (laughs) (laughs) self-control Uh, but this is also where uh, Ben makes out with Pennywise, which is pretty. Yeah, cool. right. that might be one of the best Pennywise scares. I wrote, yeah, I, I started, I wrote down when first I'm like, man, Bev kisses weird, and then I'm like, oh, because oh, yeah. she's Pennywise. Never mind. Well, yeah, this is where she's like, I've been waiting for the right time, and at the time, I'm like, yeah, you're waiting for him to lose weight. Now you can get on top of that. But it was Pennywise, so it all. 
Here's a question. Would you guys let Pennywise give you a handjob if he looked like Kelly from Saved by the Bell? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'd do a lot more. <laughs> Let's just say if Pennywise looked like uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, yeah. and I knew it was Pennywise, but she's about to go down on me, and I'm like, I'd be so conflicted because I'm like, but there's a, that th- those teeth end up like, like they're sharp teeth, b- 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 but it's Kelly, and I, I may have an aneurysm at that point. No. Indecision. I don't know if we're ever gonna be haunted by a spooky clown, but if we do, I just gave him a big hint. <laughs> yep. Yeah, if we all have to come together to fight it, you it, it knows my weakness. Now. It's gonna be a Mr. Belding shaped spider. We're gonna have if we to... if we ever ever have to come together to fight a fear demon, Carol's gonna be like the anti Bev in that she throws in with the demon and helps <laughs> helps turn all of us against like turn against us. She'll be the Henry Bowers. <laughs> he just made such a good deal, you guys. I don't know. <laughs> America can be great again. <laughs> right, so speaking, of he- speaking of Henry Bowers, I have two yeah. comments about the Let's... mental hospitals. Let's go to yeah. Juniper Hill and the moon. So yeah, this actually happens before yeah. the hotel part. So they so they do they do the the shot with Pennywise on the moon or whatever. But before that, they have the establishing shot of where Henry is at Juniper Hills, and near as I can tell, it is a hallway with like four cots lined up in. Wait, is is that how a mental hospital works? I feel like I feel like particularly Henry Bowers, who got blamed for all of the child murders that it performed and was driven insane by his encounter with it in the sewer, would probably be locked up in his own room, not just like shoved in a hallway with three other dudes. Eh, I like that Henry's sidekick is named Belch. Very on the nose. I know, like, why Why is his parents naming him Belch? Right? Sounds like um, another sidekick with a one-syllable name we know from the past. Yeah, if, if your parents name you Belch, you know you're going to be a bully's food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but secondly, so in his escape, like, you know, Pennywise kind of, like, makes a deal with them. He's yeah, like, let's do this. this. Let's kill weird. this guard. Go ahead. I don't know what happens to the security <laughs> guard. Like, okay, I think I could tell you that he gets turned there's, into there's a There's, like, a dog. Doberman there's clowns and dogs. And, and then... yeah. This 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 is the other thing. That's the other thing I wanted to bring up, which is that scene with like the the security guard being attacked. I think by dogs. Um, was, he is a was dog. The, was the exact opposite of how like horror directors like to tell you how like what you imagine is scarier than anything we could possibly put on film. Which while there's some truth to that, I also feel like is a cheap cop out. Because I'm like, you know yeah. what? Do your damn job and show me something. It's not my job to imagine things. It's your job to make the things that I'm watching. Um, but this just show, showed me just enough to confuse Right, this me. is the exact opposite of anything you imagine could be scarier than what I can show you. Like, I really, I, I'm not imagining anything. I'm very confused about what's going on here. And I feel like you could have shown me literally anything and it would have been scarier than, than like the sound of dogs barking and someone looking scared and then there was a few shots of an empty hall and it was just all well, well we saw the clown feet legs <laughs> and then they like and then i feel like you heard some dogs barking then i feel like you saw an image of a dog jumping mm-hmm. and then you just saw his face screaming and then you i don't saw know a dog that. wearing the clown ruff and barking <laughs> he was like wearing a security i distinctly remember i'm he's like wearing a security if... uniforms guard and then a clown ruff and he's like woof woof and then he goes to kill <laughs> 
if the idea here is supposed to be that the images they're <laughs> showing us are meant to make me imagine a dog like attacking someone to death and that my mental image of that would be scarier than what they could put on film they are wrong i am not imagining that because i don't know that that's what's going on i'm imagining a dog in a clown costume and it's pretty adorable yeah, it's just rolling around having a good time it's a great internet video so henry bowers is out on the loose and then he's yeah. an actual threat he's super corporeal so he goes and tries to kill mike yeah i think we get some business here yeah. david that kind of speaks to kind of half-assedly gets to some of your questions earlier where it's like mm-hmm. they they half believe so i still have some power over them but whether they believe at all or not doesn't matter if you stick a knife in them so yeah. stick so you're supposed to get the idea that like they're still at a point where pennywise can't entirely get at yeah and they seem to indicate some sort of connection between henry and pennywise even back in the flashbacks which was never made clear and i don't know if that's like revisionist history by it or uh, he was just there when his friend got pulled in so he kind of remembers and... yeah but then he was also like remember you helped me chase them into the sewer and so i don't know if that was oh, it yeah. messing with the mind of henry or if we're supposed to interpret that henry like has been under its influence for a I long think time in the book uh, austin you'll let me know that he was influenced by it and he was like well now i'm really gonna get those kids or was, did he just want to kill them for his own reasons and not know about the clown, do you think? Uh, you're Henry? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in, I believe in the book, he is, he's just a dick whose dickishness <laughs> is, man, is like, enlarged to murderous proportions because he lives in Derry and it is, is awake and, and doing stuff, and so it's kind of, like, magnifying his evil. And so he's, he's causing shit, but I don't believe he's, like, active working with it because in the book when the kids go to the sewer and the bullies follow them the like two of his bully stooges get killed by it and it's yeah. the sight of them being killed that drives him insane and ends up getting him institutionalized and blamed for all of the murders so it isn't so much about like their partners as it is mutually beneficial acquaintances i guess <laughs> uh austin yeah apropos of nothing else right uh-huh. now what did you think of the dairy air pun? Uh, top notch, top notch. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the better puns we got. Thank you, Harry Dean Anderson. <laughs> Harry Dean Anderson. Henry Bowers confessed to everything and the killing stopped until earlier this year, exactly 30 years later. I can take care of them if they only half believe. But you, you're alive, Henry. You can get them no matter if they believe, half believe, or don't believe at all. One by one, Henry. I can't get out of here. And, 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 and me and Coombs is the worst. I'm ready now. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, Damn it, Bev, is that you in there? Is that the clown? Kiss me, fat boy. <laughs> <laughs> is the Hosey Hustle. It's a show about success. Choo-choo, ka-choo, you're going to be on the cover of Forbes in a month. It's a show about health. You eat enough steaks and your butt just closes for business. <laughs> yeah, this, you put that up there, 
you're going to have whole steaks coming out of your butt. <laughs> Clean it right out. It's a show about food. The hot dog will be murdered when you eat it. Yeah, presumably all hot dogs are murdered. And when it's going to scream. And condiments. I like to call balsamic vinegar devil blood. Ooh. That's what they call it uh, in Arizona where I grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, you, would you like some olive oil and devil blood for your bread? But mostly, it's a show about product pitches submitted by you, the listener, that I workshop with a guest. Lucy's goose sandals. Lucy's goose sandals. They're in the shape of gooses, and they all have a picture of Lucille Ball. Come on and listen to it on the River City Podcast Federation, wherever podcasts are sold. I wish. I'm doing this for free. I think that all this dick pic needed was a little exposure. You're welcome. I love you. some plot uh henry bowers escapes and he tackles mike and they stab him then they just leave his yeah that was a weird scene in that like (laughs) mike bowers's corpse yeah (laughs) like so mike ends up or henry ends up on top of mike he's like i'm gonna kill you and And he says says the the n-word Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. I think you're being haunted, David. Yeah, I know. It kind of freaked me out. What's happening? She heard the N word and then she started talking. <laughs> she heard the N word and was like, "Oh, I'm perking up now, man." I don't. Recording and sending to internet. Yeah. So what? So Henry ends up on top of Mike and he's using the N word and stuff. And then like the others finally get into the room. And then they, like, roll around, and somehow the knife ends up in Henry, and I'm not quite sure how that all worked out. Yeah, Me neither. Plot convenience. Yeah. <laughs> but he's dead, I yeah. guess. And they just leave him here, and Harry yep. Anderson's still waffling wildly about whether or not he's gonna go get that clown. But long story short, they do. So then they have <laughs> when they have a scene outside the hospital. Cause they take, mm-hmm. So they take right to the hospital, and this is where... Bev and Ben kind of get together for real this time. And, You're kissing. And it starts off with like, this is where some of the like, the TV movie staging of this betrays it. Because it starts off where like, Ben's in the background of the shot and Bev is in the foreground and she's just like, randomly picking at a rose bush. And it's one of those like, <laughs> she's just doing it because trained like as an actor be like you always have to be doing something on screen you can't just stand there static and i'm like why is bev picking at this rose bush while all this is going on obviously she decided that her character was in love with roses and has been the entire and so then she's <laughs> basically can't like, resist the touch of a rose she gives up the ghost about how she knew ben wrote the poem and she loves ben and blah 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 and then there's a it's it's kind of a good scene where ben's like how do i know this is you and not the clown and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of a good scene, except I feel like they overact. Yeah, it's really soap opera. The soap opera music kicks yeah. in. And he's like, no, 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 no. The music. I have no idea what's real, what's fake. I'm real. Yeah, you're like, oh my god, they just like notch this up to twelve, and never mind. This isn't a great scene anymore. It isn't. But I really like the spooky clown instrumentation. I like the horror soundtrack. But then, yeah, this soap opera music here is just ridiculous overwrought yeah so yeah but mike survived that's the important thing. and one time mike didn't feel very much like living so he went back and got the silver earrings out of the sewer it's an interesting tactic to just you like if you're suicidal <laughs> let's put you on dangerous missions. Yeah. 
<laughs> What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Remember that clown that almost killed me? Maybe I'll just see yeah. if that clown will almost kill me. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> so, all the plot elements are together, and Harry Anderson tries to wimp out one last time, but whatever. I mean, he's not wrong. A machine gun wouldn't hurt. That's true. <laughs> But this is where I'm like, go get, go get a lot of other silver. And I get the idea is supposed to be like, these are those silver pieces that they used when they were kids. And so they have like more magical oomph or whatever. I'm like, I don't know, go melt down a bunch of coins and shoot them at this thing. Right, yeah. Go get some dynamite. That's a good point. Because like all these times where the Richie character is like, let's not fucking do this. You could cut them because they never give him, they never react to that. But if they actually did take steps. To actually really go in and actually really fight a spider. Right. They could have been right. better prepared. Mm-hmm. But nope, they just go in with two shots and uh, just the same clothes. They're ready. <laughs> yeah. They, they do a brief, they have a brief shot of like Bev pulling jeans up under her skirt so that she doesn't have yeah. to <laughs> traipse around in the sewers and uh, with bare legs. But everybody, like Eddie and Bill both like still have their ties. Like, sorry. I don't mind wearing a tie, but if I'm going to climb around in the sewers hunting, like, a spider fear demon, I'm going to take my fucking tie off. At least unbutton it. Right? Right? Put it put it around your forehead like a Rambo. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're fighting a fear demon, you need confidence. Obviously. That's true. The, the tie would give me confidence. <laughs> <laughs> like, this could be a great time to have the makeover montage. Like, at least get some knee pads or something i do like the leather vest that that uh, john ritter is sporting through all of his all of his scenes john ritter looks fantastic his hair it's such a pelt that it's great <laughs> and he has like a rugged lumberjack beard in this right? and, looks like it could sheen water off it like it could be rain resistant he's yeah, amazing peak yeah. ritter you guys yep peak ritter so austin yo if you went into the sewers uh-huh. to fight a fear uh-huh. demon. Yeah. <laughs> and you're chasing down this fear demon and all this weird shit's as, happening, As one right? does, yes. Uh, at what point do you want to bring up your sexual history? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best part. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, oh, BT dubs, guys? Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a virgin. Carry on. <laughs> I think the best I, part is right be- to say your sexual history is right in front of a little tiny door with a bunch of spooky skeleton bones in front of it. <laughs> like, You're like, you know, it's a, I've been meaning to bring this up, but yeah, I've never actually sealed the deal. I feel so. like that's like a vestige of 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 the of the like same sort of undercurrent that led to the child orgy, like <laughs> right t- tying the whole like pre-adolescent adulthood transition in with like sexual awakening and things like that but it just it just comes off like totally random and i think it's all supposed to shore up like the bond that they all should because he talks about how like i could only have sex with someone that i love and the only people that i've ever loved are you guys (laughs) and you're like (laughs) which is a really weird way it is a very weird way to so like it's it's i could kind of see where they might be coming from but it just is really weird and it, yeah, yeah it does not stick yeah. it, it feels like he's just trying to get pity from bev to do right like well, <laughs> honestly what it reads out you know today is national coming out day it seems like he's yeah. going to come out of the closet yeah that's just one take not that he has to 
uh, Richie had the line. He was right. like, well, that's all well and good, but I can't help you with that. Right? I was like, or could right? <laughs> That's exactly how I read this scene. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So awkward. You guys, I'm a virgin. <laughs> just like, right before, like, I know we're going to go... Before we climb into this skull laden hole in the ground to fight an ancient spider fear demon, I'm a virgin. They're like, yeah, okay, right. carry on. I lied about seeing somebody. I've never read I sex. just want to let you know because maybe this fear demon will turn into one of my greatest fears, which is a woman's vagina. Like yeah. it almost it almost reads like like there was some part of this where in order to defeat it, they all needed to not be virgins. And so he's like, and he's been too ashamed to admit that, so he's gone along with it. But now that, like, the shit's hitting the fan and their lives are on the line, he needs to fess up to the fact that he's not a virgin. Like, that's not in there. None of that is there. Like, Or it reads as, like, if you need to defeat a fear demon, you have to get rid of your shame and your guilt yeah, or whatever and, yeah. like, come out with your secrets or something. But, <laughs> but nobody, like, everyone else is like, yeah, no. Nobody else does. It doesn't like. It doesn't like make anyone else open up no, or anything. We're, we're cool. We're cool with where we are now. We're all yeah, good. Uh, I think it made everyone shut up more. Like I ain't gonna admit yeah. anything like that. And that's why this is a very special episode. It's okay to tell your friends you're a virgin. So apparently, it, it apparently, if Pennywise really wanted to scare Eddie, yeah. He should have just like manifested himself as adult intimacy. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that looks like, but that's probably what. Yeah, I don't know. Anything happened before that? I think it's just like fear stuff, like with Rit- uh, Georgie. Yeah, yeah, we then... have Georgie come back. Yeah, and a lot more of like a lot more of Bill being dumb. Where I'm like, you know, you're fighting a fear demon in the sewer. Yeah, like, stop being affected by all of this. And that weird boat. Georgie was really attached to that boat, by the way. I'm like, it's a piece of newspaper. You can get another one. It's <laughs> it's from his brother, David. Jonathan Baby Boy Brandis. It's sealed with paraffin wax. He spent time mm-hmm. on that boat. Yeah, yes, we have the adult huddle, and uh, everyone, you know, they just drop that virgin line and then move on through the skeleton door. <laughs> <laughs> Each silently vowing never to speak of it again. I do think you're right, David, that it was supposed to be like a cathartic purge of secrets and burdens, but the moment was ruined by the first time. Moving on. And so then we have a confrontation, and yeah, we see Georgie's ghost, and we've been following his boat, and Bill's still a little too into it. And then then everyone gets stuck in the deadlights. All the dudes... Yeah, so they go. Well, they go in, and then that's when. Do they even see? Pennywise yeah, Pennywise. Just no, they, they they pull another uh, Pennywise on the moon, where it looks right. like it looks like Pennywise has set up like a thirty-five millimeter projector <laughs> in a cavern oh, yeah. from like behind the left shoulders of the adults, mm-hmm. and it's projecting him up on a wall in front of them, where he's like, "Hey, everybody, you can't defeat me. I am all of your fears," and blah blah blah. You can't comprehend me. I'm interdimensions, the turtle of space and whatever. <laughs> is that when they see everyone in the web? Yeah, shortly yeah. thereafter is when they, they like rush towards that image and then they see the web. Is that what he means that everybody floats down there? Or is that something else? Yeah, no, that's, that's something else. That's just his whole, like, because he's in the sewers <laughs> and dead bodies float. And... 
In the new movie, they do make it like a literal floating, like they just kind of hover in a space. Well, I mean, the yeah, whether it was Belch or the other guy floated into the deadlights or whatever. Right, yeah. So King just kind of like uses language and like makes little phrases that kind of mean nothing and kind of mean the tone. So, yeah, yeah it doesn't ever get too of... direct on that one, right? Yep. All the language. Here I am, Weezy. I've been lying. Not what? In fact, I haven't ever... I mean, I've never even been with anyone. Eddie, Eddie, what are you saying? You're a virgin? Yeah. Well, I can't help you with that, pal, but thanks for sharing. I suggest we just turn on the TV, hang a Do Not Disturb sign on the door, go outside, then figure out what to do. So, so all the three main dudes are just staring at the deadlights, and then Eddie. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we could. Yeah. T- so this is where we get the big CGI spider crawling. Not CGI spider. We... No, 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 I mean yeah, not like clay. What I meant was like clay spider, like claymation spider, claymation, straight out of Ray Harryhausen and himself. <laughs> and there's a scene where the the camera focuses on like a skull on the ground, and you see a giant spider leg hit it. And you knew they had to build like their own like special leg just to do that one well, scene. Let's, to make and let's it be clear here, Carol. Scarier. What Ray Harryhausen was was like farting out in the 1930s was better <laughs> yeah. than was better than this spider puppet. <laughs> yeah, this is like a transfer of his to VHS like ten times, and it gets all staticky and dumb. Yeah, but was that leg shot worth it, David? How much did that freaking scare you? <laughs> <laughs> It was one hundred percent worth. And this it. is again where yeah. this is again where I come back to like, oh, your imagination is scarier than anything we could show you. And I'm like, yeah, don't even try to pull that crap here. You're not showing me this spider because it's a piece of crap and it's expensive. And <laughs> well, we still see it. Though, I know. So oh, we see I, the heck they out probably would have gotten gotten away better if they just didn't even. You just saw like some legs and stuff, and you never actually saw the spider. And it was like the briefcase from pulp fiction you just see the light yeah yeah austin did you austin did you have to hide this from the missus and like watch it under a blanket in a different room (laughs) yeah no i watched it uh i just watched it on my computer so she was she was shielded from it and then anytime pennywise showed up you'd like flash the computer to her just to be a dick Even even your wife wouldn't be scared of this last scene. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think she would be. So then Eddie tries to tell the spider that he's a virgin, but it doesn't work <laughs> on the spider. No, it totally works. The yeah, spider's so... like, I feel bad. He gives him a hug. He just hugs him too hard. <laughs> yeah, well, so I guess we should say that the spider's belly like lights up, and those are the deadlights we're talking yeah, about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then everyone gets mesmer. Well, Bill and Ben get mesmerized by it, and then Richie is like, "Guys, don't look at him!" And then, in the act of like trying to pull them out, he gets mesmerized. By- he looks Richie at him like, Ooh. And then Bev. Well, this is after Bev had already tried to shoot. Right, it, she gets right? off and two shots and, and misses. And so then, while it's dead lighting, Although them. Th- thanks to the crappy special effects, I thought she hit with one of them, but apparently, I did. I totally did too. So then, uh, so she's off trying to get the pellets, and then that's where Eddie's like, 
I got to do something. So he runs up to it and he's like, "This uh, does he try the battery?" Yeah, he does the battery yeah. acid thing again. I don't think that does anything. I think it. And, and then, then he, he gets a... vapes in the spider's face. Yeah, and then he gets hugged to death. Like it was really <laughs> weird because it, the it just like held him and like nothing was happening. He's just screaming and it's holding and I'm like. Is it going to eat him? Is it going to, like, rip him apart? Like, what's going David, on? David, they've got TV money. They don't have giant spider <laughs> puppet eats Eddie money. <laughs> Take me home tonight. Sorry, oh, Eddie, Eddie okay, money. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, uh, I, I just thought it was very convenient that while Bev was rooting around for that other silver pellet, the spider was just standing there waiting to get shot again. Yeah, just holding Eddie. Yeah. I think it fell in love. I think Eddie was <laughs> its deadlight. <laughs> And to be fair, we it's never made entirely clear that Eddie dies. Yeah, but uh, he does. But he dies. No, I think they made it they made it pretty clear, I felt. I don't know, he gets a, a line and then you, you see him get carried out at the end, but there's no like poor Eddie or anything like that. No, yeah, there's like a, a bit of a rip, but doesn't it show Pennywise with like another filled grave from the early empty ones? Doesn't I that forget. signify Eddie? Oh, maybe that's somewhere. I forget it. But then, what? Bev hits it. Yeah. It in the belly with the silver, and we get some more great special effects. <laughs> this is yeah. the best special like... effects. You've never seen lightier lights coming out of a space crab. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Well, there's like an explosion. It looks like they just like filmed some fireworks and then like superimposed it onto the belly. I'm something. 90% sure that's what they did. <laughs> And then they rip it apart. Yeah. And yeah. Well, then it runs away. Well, yeah. So yeah, that's that's basic. Away. This is basically the point they got it to as a kid. And then and then yeah. Harry Anderson delivers probably the funniest line in the whole thing for me, which is where he's like, they're like you know, catching their brother or whatever. He's like, well, let's go finish this off. If that thing comes back when I'm seventy. Right. And to be fair, that's clearing a very low bar for funny. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that's the height of God. No, like, it was just like I'm not dealing with this when I'm. It was, the, it was like the so one thing he said where I was like, it's uh-huh. funny. Yeah, he's and, finally being pragmatic, and it's finally coming in clutch. And so then their 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 big strategy for defeating it once and for all is to angrily pummel it. it to death. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of punching, and then they rip it apart, and then they eat its heart. And I always think of this scene when I'm eating a crab and you have to like <laughs> go into the coast, open it up, do the butter. It's just like that. It's just as gory every time I do it. Does it make you feel powerful? Yeah. Yeah. And then I hold the little crab's heart up to the sky and does I it, scream. Does it make you feel like you're vanquishing your fears by, by devouring it? Right? Yeah. And then it comes back in 27 years. <laughs> do, do, you, do you think they ate it? I, they should have, right? They were eating it, and then they all fucked. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> to be to be fair, Carolyn, 27 years is about how often one can afford crab. <laughs> Not if you go crabbing right off the coast. Oh, that's true. You guys live coast. closer to seafood than we do, so right. Yeah. It's not like I've gotten my ass in a crab boat in like 27 years. <laughs> right. I need to do it as an adult, but you can do it and yeah. get some excellent eats. So, yeah, spider, spider, spider's yeah. dead. That's yep. it. That's it so for it. So they all get out, and they're holding it. No, it's not it for it, because we still have to worry about Audra, Oh, right? yeah, we care about that? <laughs> no, not, not really. <laughs> Only the ridiculousness of, like, <laughs> she's comatose. Well, 
this is this and not to harp on it but i actually was kind of annoyed by the memory loss angle again sure double mumbo jumbo on the memory yeah because now they're like oh we're forgetting each other again and i'm like well that kind of sucks like i it would have made sense like there's no narrative reason i don't think for them to forget each other all over again and it's it's even worse wouldn't you think that's kind of sad and it's like, shouldn't it be like they killed it so now they can like remember everything instead of the opposite? But I don't know. Yeah, and again, this is where I I don't know how this fits into the the theme and the metaphors of of growing up and leaving childhood behind and all that. Because again, like you said, mm-hmm. when you become an adult, it's not like you forget your friends, and it's not like you forget the experiences that you had. They lose some of the poignancy. So if, if the if the idea yeah. is supposed to be that like the the like the raw terror that they felt becomes lessened over time, like that's fine. I get that, but I don't. I still don't quite know what he's trying to say by just having them not only forget everything that happened, but also forget that they were like ever friends. Yeah, I mean, I, at least at, and then re forget and then re forget it. Yeah, yeah. Be- at least I mean, I guess at least Ben and Bev get to stay together. Yeah, which is I guess, but that just almost makes yeah, like, like, but they wouldn't know each other, right? Right? Do they like just wake up one day and be like, "Why are we married?" <laughs> they probably tell everyone they met on Tinder. Yeah, because yeah, in the in the book, uh, it's like even like even at the end when Bill brings Audra back, he's already forgetting like what they went through and like even why she's catatonic, which is just that I, would be hard to explain to the doctor, even if you did remember. Yeah. It's just it's a weird it's a weird choice that I've never quite got. It'd feel narratively unfulfilling, yeah. like and especially if you go like they forgot as childhood, this would be like how they finally complete the arc, you know, that now they can remember because they finished the job, right. you know. I don't right. know. Uh but so does she come out of her coma in the book? Yeah, it yeah. pretty much it pretty much happens like this where they get on the bike and that's enough to like wake her up. And then they stop in the intersection and make out, and that happens in like yeah. movies. <laughs> I a don't lot. think that happens. I'd be super pissed if I was a car and there's like people just making out <laughs> in the intersection. I'm like, I got a job to get to over here. I don't think that happens in the in the book. So, question: They Mike does a little voiceover. Where he's like, Ben and Bev got married, and and Richie went back to Hollywood and ended up in a movie where he acted with a guy who was a lot like Eddie. And they show like a shot of Richie and some Eddie guy in a movie, and I'm like. What the hell kind of movie is Rich? They're like, he's, <laughs> that movie is incomprehensible. He's, Let's see. He's, he's wearing, like he's wearing fedora. like, a, no, he's got like a pith helmet on and a racket and a racket, and, like, and they're like throwing confetti at each other. And there's like a, there's like a paper mache palm tree somewhere. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a little confused at what I'm supposed to take away that he happened to, like, act with a guy who was kind of like Eddie, like. Did they become friends, or was it just yeah, like, oh, I, this guy has like, to I look like I think the idea is like... supposed to be that, like, he, he subconsciously ended up hanging out with a guy who was, like, like, he may not remember Eddie because of the whole stupid memory loss thing, but his bond with Eddie was so strong that it manifested itself through yeah, his friendship with Which this guy. Is so, weird so because... he got Eddie on the movie? He's, like, the casting director? I, I, don't know. I think it's a coincidence that he's getting credit for. <laughs> and it's weird, too, because him and Eddie, were they never had much chemistry. Yeah. 
But I guess it would have been him and Stan or whatever, right? Right. <laughs> when Stan severed head, yeah, he'd be a great comedic <laughs> partner. They're gonna go on the road. Very funny. Yeah, That's maybe a good the, bit. maybe yeah. the movie was like a weekend at Bernie's type thing with Stan's head. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty good. Yeah, and I guess I feel like Eddie's dead because like they don't even talk about what happened to him. Yeah, that's just true. that an actor is like him. Yep, mm. he got hugged to death for being too big of a virgin. Yep. Yeah, I think maybe the memory loss is. I don't think Stephen King loves happy endings. No, he doesn't. That's one. Like, his his endings are. He has a hard pro, He has a hard time with endings. A lot of his stories end. Anticlimactically or in questionable ways, but even the ones because like it, the actual climax of it is really well done. But then it's kind of let down. Like he has to have a, a very bittersweet kind of ending, e- even mm-hmm. to the point of of not making a lot of sense and not really fitting with the with the themes, which is what's happening here. Like I'm not saying you always have to have a happy ending, but it's not the worst thing. <laughs> that, like you can right, have... right. A story can have a happy ending and it doesn't make it worse. Well, I feel like the best way to do it is just you cover your bases and you make it bittersweet, but still, like, you have characters, like, characters die or things don't work out great, but you still have, like, you still leave them with some level of, like, this was meant to be, this worked out for the best. This, we're better for this experience. You guys didn't feel that feeling when they were making out in the middle of the street? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, not really. No, because the whole movie, you know, story is about the bond between these people, and then of course they break the bond right at the end of the movie, and they, except between Bev and Ben for some reason, but that's just what feels unsatisfying about it. That's true. And then we go to the wife who we don't care about. She could have stayed yeah. in the spider webs for all. Right. Yeah. The only like the only reason I didn't want her to be catatonic was because it'd be a pretty big f you to bill that he now he has to like take care of this like a vegetable level like. yeah i mean i suppose he may not remember what happened but at least his wife's not a vegetable yeah <laughs> it's a small victories Everybody really scared. Yeah, then they have carnival music at the end. Yeah, yeah, classic carnival out. <laughs> I do like their spooky clown themes. I think they're very successful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, how'd you guys do? Were you terrified throughout both the viewing of this and the recording of this podcast? Uh, I was terrified during this podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you're scary, Karen. I know. Like... <laughs> These dead lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, I was not terribly scared, but 
was entertained, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some creepiness sometimes. Sometimes it was over the top. Sometimes the special effects took me out of it. And jump scares, a few of them got to me, but like not in like screaming like a little girl kind of way. But <laughs> kind of make my shoulders jump a little. But uh, I, I mean, it, it's definitely a TV movie, yeah. but... It's not terrible either. Don't put it that way. Yeah, I found it a decent adaptation of Stephen King overall. Yeah. yeah. It's, it can escape the failings of its genre, but it does better than most do in its genre within those constraints. Like, it's got a limited budget. There's some stilted staging, and, you know, characters talk really close up to each other in a lot of scenes just because you get the sense that. They don't have very expansive sets. There's a lot of stuff like David pointed out with wondering whether Pennywise is even on the same set as the characters that he's in a scene with. It's like it has some, you know, the spider puppet is pretty terrible. Um, it has these these limitations of the genre that it can't overcome. But within those limitations, it certainly is is better than most TV movies. And as far as the adaptation goes, it's a pretty it's a pretty solid adaptation. I mean, even when I watched this as a kid. For the first time after reading the book, as much as I wanted to like see the trippy cosmic turtle stuff, I knew damn well that wasn't going to be like <laughs> there is no way that they were going to be able to like film that or represent that in any way. And so they they do the best. Now the child orgy, on the other hand, left you cold and disappointed. I was like, where was the goddamn child orgy? <laughs> um, I do think that the back half of the miniseries is let down a little bit by the, the lack of, of parallel plotting, simply because so much of what makes the book work has little to do with plot, and so much of the second half of the movie is pretty much all plot. Right, yeah, I think the parallel pacing is really important, and it added that punch. Like, in, in the first episode, we left on a suicide, and then the, we got the very different threads, and it's like a great midpoint. In the same way that, like, yeah. In the same way that, like, what's really great about The Stand is the first half with the complete sort of right. deconstruction of society and the way King depicts that. What's really great about it is all of the childhood stuff and recreating that feel of us against the world and being a kid right. in the summer and all that. And so when you, in the in the book, you get that all the way from start to finish because it's running alongside all the adult stuff when you sort of front load the movie with all of that, the back half then suffers because it's just a lot of like adults with goofy ponytails and moles showing up in town, <laughs> vaguely remembering things, then going into action to fight the clown demon and it's over. Yeah. Right. And that's where I wonder if you didn't have the memory loss, if it wouldn't have worked yeah. better, like more seamlessly, because then it wouldn't feel like you're just rerunning everything again with adults who you feel like should know right. better. And... Right. Maybe you could just spice things up. Uh, I was just going to say about the special effects. One thing we should also note is not only are they TV movie special effects, this is 1990 oh, special yeah. effects. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, the bar was probably just much lower back then than it is now, too. Even with like TV, like t television special effects have gotten a lot better, right. too. Right. So now like television now is almost, is probably better than special effects of movies in the 90s and now we take that down to tv movie and yeah but 
It is what it is. They were amazing for the time. <laughs> yes. Highest possible budget ever. Yeah. yeah, Stephen King is good at getting the players together and dismantling society. Then he's not necessarily good at how to climax everything. It can be pretty weird. The narrative of the book slicing back and forth like that was very powerful. It made it really page-turning because you're always comparing and contrasting the past and the present. And this last episode that we watched, it did pull back to the past. But every time they did, like during Bill's rousing, let's go get that clown speech, when they cut to Jonathan Brandis, I was like, Stay with Brandis. Yeah, you're right. Like, I want more Brandis. <laughs> I know. <laughs> let, let him give the speech again. Right? He did do yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, and of course, Bill's supposed to be like the Stephen King stand-in because he's like the horror writer <laughs> right. and everything. And so then I'm like, well, you know, if I put myself in a movie and needed to have a younger self, I'd choose Jonathan <laughs> Brandis. Right? That's the only way I'll go, in fact. <laughs> yeah, King, King does that a lot, too. He has lots of characters who are who oh, are yeah. writer who are writers, writers and clear yeah. Stephen King stand-ins. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's worth noting that uh, it is one of those books that gets referenced in other Stephen King books, which is one of my favorite things about Stephen King, that he sort of right. has created a little, like, Stephen King universe that connects all the stuff together. Uh, Mike Hanlon shows up as a character in Insomnia, which also takes place in Derry. Oh, yeah. And references some of the events, like the the historical events of the town, like the Great Flood and when the, the metal works exploded or whatever and all that kind of stuff. And there's references to Pennywise in some of the other books and things like that. Right? Is he like the, the walking dude? Is he one of just like the perma-devil figures? Yeah, he's kind of, because the whole, in one of the, I've never read them, but in one of the Dark Tower Dark books, Tower. Yeah. they talk about how Penny, there's like another fear creature, extra dimensional fear creature like Pennywise that they deal with and fight and that is also an enemy of that turtle thing. Well, if it's an enemy of the turtle, it's an enemy of me. Oh, also, you guys remember watching the It's Always Sunny episode with me. Right. There's a theory yeah. that just I have <laughs> that connects <laughs> Stephen King's universe and the Always Sunny universe. Because in the Always Sunny later episodes, they too have a turtle god. Ah, so there you go. See, see, and not to deflate your, yeah. not to deflate your theory, but lots of uh, religions have a, a turtle being in them in one right. form or another. It's all. It's also central to to Terry Pratchett's cosmic right. stuff. Right. Small gods and, and so those are all one universe. <laughs> all be. the real religions oh. and all of these fake ones. So, Austin, Gordon, what part of the Stephen King miniseries did you find the most special? Um, and you can say the first episode, too, that our listeners don't even... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, I think the most special was when uh, Bev fainted, once again reminding us of the <laughs> delicate constitution of all women. <laughs> you really have to be so soft on ladies. But at least they are good with slingshots, one thing I learned. Yes, yes. Uh, David Bittenhofer, what was a very special part for you of this miniseries? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> are we going to do what we learned, too, or just what's special? Oh, uh, you can throw what you learned, too. Because I know I learned that if you get terrorized by a clown as a kid, you'll be very successful as an adult. <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that's the secret to success is... 
early childhood clown terrorization. Yeah, uh, yeah, number one sign I... of great, great future. <laughs> Uh, what I think the most special is what I, kind of what I learned from this is that if you like accidentally slash unact like on purpose kill somebody, just leave them in the hotel room and walk out. Oh yeah, it, it's uh work out in the turn up yeah. the TV and put a do not disturb <laughs> sign on the door and everything will just work out great. Yeah, and act as suspicious as possible when you're checking out. Yep. <laughs> yep. I He's running on my card. Send me the receipt. Bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm going to change mine. The most special thing was um, Pennywise picture on the moon. Oh yeah, you like that moon clown? Yeah. yeah. And I and, and I learned I learned yeah, about learn? the delicate constitution of women. So because you didn't yeah. know that before. Yeah, because I up until this point I believed that all women were like slingshot wielding badasses, and then this this showed that like. They so reclaimed by emotion that they'll just pass out. <laughs> and I learned that a dog can wear a clown ruff. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's extra that was rough. Pretty special. And it's dangerous. It's not as adorable as you think it would be. You might die it's somehow. It's a terror thing. You know, the other by thing unknown reasons. is there's, we have a neighborhood dog who looks like that. It's like this big, huge Rottweil slash Doberman kind of dog. And I've become such good friends with that dog. She's the sweetest in the whole neighborhood. All the other dogs bark at me, but she loves me. We're great friends. So it did not scare me at all. It was extra cute. And then uh, the most special part of this episode for me was definitely when at the skeleton door, Eddie just dropped his virginity status. And everyone just ignored it and moved on. Yeah, yeah it's definitely like... No one else went around and started like <laughs> confet like going through any sort of emotion. It's just like all about him and their and it felt very much like they're all awkward and they just needed to like, oh, we're so proud of you. Let's get going. <laughs> you're you're I'm a big sure boy, your Eddie. This is okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was so weird. It's like the child orgy kind of puts it into context, but also it doesn't at all. So it's just this great yeah. question mark thud. <laughs> Well, that's where it's like, I'm like, well, this could have been in the book because he definitely wasn't a virgin in the book. <laughs> in the well, book, I, I think this is kind of the conversation they have when they are in the sewer. So they, they fuck because they're lost and that's going to help them get out of the sewer. Their maps got fucked. <laughs> As you do. Right. Like, oh. It was for true. Well, like, it's like, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're out driving and like your phone dies, you don't have Google Maps anymore. You're like, well, who am I going to have sex with to find out where I need to go? <laughs> And the answer is everybody in the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, everyone that's in the car with you had sex with each other in order to form a cohesive enough bond to lead you to your destination. I keep wondering why you never charge your cell phone. <laughs> you on a, a road <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm up to 10%. I'm like, why didn't you charge before? <laughs> I slip in my mind. <laughs> Spritzing his mouth with mint pressure. <laughs> uh oh, my phone died again. <laughs> I think I know where we're going. No, you don't. So, David Bitzenhofer, when yeah. you aren't getting cucked by a clown dressed as your own girlfriend, <laughs> where can our listeners observe you online? Well, you can observe me on the moon, usually. But, <laughs> just uh, cackling. Yeah, over. <laughs> yeah, just talking to everyone. 
<laughs> usually just spouting just generic nonsense of like you know hey did you know that uh the sun is made of hydrogen <laughs> um <laughs> people yeah, are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. moon deity <laughs> uh you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Bits and uh, at TheRealGentlemanOfLeisure.com. And Austin, let's see, when when a big blood balloon goes off right on the middle of your face in the middle of the internet and nobody acts sad for you, <laughs> what are you doing online? find me on twitter talking about stephen king at austin garton and you can read my writing at the real gentleman of leisure.com as well well i work with austin now it's making sense <laughs> when you go to the bathroom and just keep talking about how it won't come off it won't come off <laughs> just washing your hands tirelessly right? and i'm like are you right? all right like do you see it and i'm like no and when I'm not fainting right into the eyeball fortune cookies, <laughs> you... Would you eat the eyeball, though, if you found it in the fortune well, cookies? Well, so it, it, that's a great question, and it comes back to how corporeal does it get to get, right? Like, can you <laughs> catch something from the blood? Can you get vitamins or nutrients? I think I, w- I would eat the eyeball, yes. I mean, it's, I would see what happens. You grab the cookie. It's yours now, you know I guess this is my fortune because I have to eat an eyeball. I would very rarely not eat the cookie. There's very few times that I don't eat a cookie. It's just, it's my cookie. Exactly. Uh, you can find me at www.carolynmain.com. C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-M-A-I-N. Like the street, Carolyn Main at Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. And uh, this is a very special episode, podcast.com. And you can find us at A-V-S-E-Pod at Twitter. And we are on the River City Podcast Federation. And you can also find us at avsepod at gmail.com. Send us some movies or shows. Maybe we'll get to them. But maybe we'll just get to random other shit on the way. And also, go to the rivercitypodcastfederation.com forward slash pitch please to listen to my new podcast spinoff. And for, thank you, yeah. And I'm going to have you guys on sometime. That'll be fun. Oh, and do we have any hint at what our next episode is? Uh, let's see. Next episode will be another TV movie. Uh, we will be looking at 1990-somethings uh, Justice League TV movie as a, uh, as a, as a little tie-in to the big-budget Justice League movie that's coming out and probably going to suck. Yeah, which, the question will be which will suck more. Right, exactly. The the, <laughs> the TV movie version or the big budget version. So yeah, that uh, that will be our next uh, next episode. And for a very special episode dot com. Beep beep bitsy. Beep beep. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. I can't speak. I got beep. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get bleep too. <laughs> It's the River City Podcast Federation. Hey, everybody, you can't defeat me. I am all of your fears and blah, blah, blah. Just wake up one day and be like, why are we married? <laughs> you didn't like that stop motion to hold just going. <laughs> it was definitely autoerotic asphyxiation while pooping. If I'm going to off myself, I'm going to enjoy it while it's happening. You know? I'm going to whack it one last time and then go.
He died doing what he loved. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> yeah, that was this AVSC on your home PC with some VIPs of SBTB. Was it Austin G, Dr. DB, RAT, or the C What the heck was with that TV? This podcast is kind of funny. Excuse us all, because we gotta go pee. That was a very special episode We dissected that shit from head to toe Did the time fly by or was it slow? Got so many life lessons Oh how we've grown Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode Next time on a very special episode